This time on the Rule Right Radio podcast with New York Mike. This is like stupid. This is like high school stuff. This is juvenile stupidity. I guess nothing changes, does it? People grow up, but they're still the same thing. They're just that same person. What do you call it? Pride. Stupid pride. It's just absolutely nuts. And the price that Russia will pay is huge. So you look at it and you say, wait a minute. Okay, look, there's three demands. None of this is that, but we can work this out. There's the price that they're going to pay because we're going to sanction the living hell out of them. They're going to be villains. They're going to be vilified as a nation for going in and killing these innocent Ukrainian people. Yeah, we talked about this false flag game that they're going to play to make it look like Ukraine fired first. The world's wise to that. It's not going to happen. So can we get past all this? Can we somehow come to an agreement that it's going to work out? Trousers and motorcycle boots And a black leather jacket with his name on the back He does a patriotic podcast called Roll Ride Radio His name is New York Mike And welcome to the show This is Roll Right Radio I'm New York Mike This is Roll Right Radio And I am New York Mike Thanks for listening by the way Thanks for being there Thanks for subscribing All you subscribers <laughs> You're really appreciated Thank you so much Hey. In the first place, the Super Bowl is over. Yeah. You know, I'm not into the whole thing. I don't follow it day by day. I did when I was a kid, man. And I'm not saying that you're a kid if you do, because everybody does. But the Super Bowl is over, and it was a really good game. The playoffs were phenomenal. I watched most of the playoffs. A lot of the stuff I don't watch, I played football. I have a lot of friends of mine back in the day on the Jets. And back in the day when the Raiders were the Raiders, <laughs> I got my own feelings. Football's a fantastic game. It's just become something I don't identify with. A bunch of people that get on their knees and protest America, protest our flag, all that. But still, the game is the game. I wish it would come back. And now you get these million-dollar babies. They're million-dollar babies. They're all making millions of dollars. Okay, okay. Yeah, like some guys in the first year are going to make a few hundred thousand, two, three, four, five, six. I don't know how much the rookies make. How much do they get for bonuses, signing bonuses? This, that. I, I have no idea. I just know it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And then I read the statistic 65% of the NFL is black. I don't know what percentage of the NBA is black. And I don't really care. I never look at a team or look at an athlete and judge him, her, or whatever by the, the color of their skin or whatever. I just don't do it. I don't, most of my friends don't do it. Back in the 60s, Walt Frazier, Earl Monroe. I mean, it's it just, who cares? I go back to the 50s, Willie Mays, Jackie Robinson. I can name names of the sports heroes of my childhood. Do we really care? And am I happy that now these... Guys, whatever color, are making millions of dollars. Oh, I'm really not. I'm thrilled. It's great. That's good. Because I remember the day when I was at Kennedy Airport in the 60s, 
and I had a box over third base for the Met games. And that was the year, you know, 69, the Mets won the season. It was great. I was getting these guys jobs selling for air freight companies because none of these guys were making the kind of bank that they're making today. Some of them were making decent money. I was making decent money. I was working my business at Kennedy Airport, developing real estate projects there. And then I, I owned an insurance agency there that handled a lot of airport risks, fixed-based operators around the country, trucking companies, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of these, Jerry Kuzman, and I can't even tell you who and how many, almost all, there were several. Tom Seaver didn't need that. Cleon Jones did. They were making good money, but they weren't making astronomical money. Here I was, what, 24, 25, 26? And I, I was running a business at Kennedy Airport, pretty much making the same or more dollars than these guys. Yeah, I did very well back then. I worked hard and I was very fortunate, very unfortunate in more important ways. But, you know, there I was. My friends, my buds, guys that I hang around with and played with in college in different ways, they were struggling just to get through. So. I look at them today, I don't remember a lot of those guys complaining about stuff. And they had a lot to complain about. They really did. And they weren't making the huge dollars. You know, I go back, Petrina's grandfather, yeah, Petrina's grandfather played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. But when they moved to California, he couldn't go. Yeah, the family, the support, and playing professional baseball for the Brooklyn Dodgers, for Pepe Esposito, wasn't in the cards because he couldn't afford to move to California. She didn't grow up hearing stories, but her grandfather was screwed out of going. These guys today, they whine and bitch and moan and complain about everything like little victims. It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. But I'll tell you what's not stupid. What's not stupid is things like the Super Bowl. So the point is, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm upset about things, and I don't, I don't rush to watch the NFL for sure, which has these, you know, protesters, which offend me. They're protesting something that offends them, whatever that is, their racial victimhood which I don't sit there and say everything is right about it. I just think everything's stupid about it. It's stupid. The biggest hate crime victims there are are the Jews, okay? I don't see Jews protesting. Well, let's see, what would the Jews protest? I don't want to get into it. It'd be kind of funny. What? Yeah, they would protest the stock market. <laughs> yeah, okay, go and kneel at the stock market before the opening bell. Yeah. Is that racist? I don't know. I'm a Jew, so I can say that. Yeah, blacks can say what they say. I can say what I say. What's good for the goose? Good for the gander. Okay, goose, gander, is there anything there that is offensive to anybody? It's stupid. This whole thing is stupid. We grew up calling each other names, but we were all Americans. It was a melting pot. Everything was good. Now, once in a while, a fight would break out. So what? They'd grab us and hold us apart and say, Hey, 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 come on, guys, get along with each other. You're both on the same side, and, and then we'd, we'd be fine. And sometimes we wouldn't. <laughs> so that's the way it is, the way the mob flops, baby. But these guys want to 
bitch and moan and whine and complain. That's what they do. They need that. For some reason, they grew up in that world of the Jesse Jacksons and the Al Sharptons. You got to understand the difference between legitimate concerns of the people that were fighting for real freedom and equality versus people who were extorting big business to make a lot of money, like BLM. Billions of dollars. I think they still have 60 million in the bank, but they have nobody that has the ability to sign for that $60 million. They've gone off. Some of them bought homes. The whole thing, it's a scam, and it's a Marxist commie plot. That's what it is. It has nothing to do with black or brown or any other racial equality reality, okay? It's a scam, and it's a successful scam. I'll put it that way. So it's all wrong. But you know what is important? The Super Bowl. Yeah, the football season, the baseball season is important. But these media shows, the Sunday shows, as they're called, meet the press and all the rest of it, these things are important. They're more than just diversions. They're important. It's important to have a well-rounded life. So, you know, you got someone like me. I am very focused on politics. Politics has affected my life in ways that I understand, that I know, I'm aware of it. A lot of people aren't as aware as I am. That doesn't mean anything. Sports was important in my life also, but not as important in so many of these other people's lives. I never saw it in that way. I talk about growing up, my cousin, Kenny Jackowitz, who went on to play for the Cincinnati Reds. Great. That's awesome that he did that. Growing up, that was his priority in life. I used to look at it and go, oh my God, he just took it to a different level. He went overboard with it, in my opinion, but it paid off. <laughs> it did. It did, you know. It, so here we go. But what was important that we as kids, we understood this. These were our quote unquote heroes, Mickey Mantles and the Willie Mays. Say, hey, Willie Mays and all these stars, Duke Snyder. Yeah, we looked up to these guys. Should we have in every case? We didn't understand it. We didn't understand Babe Ruth or. Mickey Mantle, did they drink too much? Were they drunks? Were they this? Were they? they were great baseball players. And that's what we understood. And that's what we wanted to emulate and copy and, you know, copy their batting stances and their styles of throwing the ball and doing this and doing that. That's what we did. So we grew up with that. It had a focus. What else were we focused on? I was focused on getting a job. I can never remember not trying to find a way to get a job at the youngest age. I finally got that job at 11 years old and then always had a full-time job from that day on. Now, was it always full-time? I don't think I could say that in the beginning, but eventually, you know, it became a full-time job at a very young age and it was an important part of my life. So these things are important, but I did prioritize. And of course, I didn't have the ability to turn on television and see all these sports interview shows where they interview this one and that one. And then the, the, a couple of guys get up there and they imitate the batting or the catching or the throwing or something. And they're showing you the right way to do it and not do it. What do I think of that stuff? Had I had that as a kid, would I have had the time to go off and get my job? Would that have been a priority? for me as well. I don't know. Would it, well, what about Kenny Jackowitz? Why well, he would have been all about that. 
And maybe he would have even been a better baseball player. I don't know. But what I do know is that these games and these sports, this is important to us. The Super Bowl is over, and on one hand, I go, okay, now we can pay more attention maybe to the economy, to, to COVID, to the Bruin Wars in the Ukraine with the Chinese and in Hong Kong. And, you know, this is important stuff. What's really going to be important is if China just totally absorbs Taiwan. It's important to understand all that and the bag of chips. All that and the bag of chips because the games have to go on. Our lives have to go on. What's really important here, and, you know, I don't want to leave anything out because all of this is important. You know, right around the corner, we got hockey and basketball. Or right around the corner, the pitches and catches are going to be reporting to training camp. And before you know it, here's full-on baseball. The season starts in April, and here we are. It's coming mid-February, pretty soon March, April. Boom, it's right here. NASCAR, in less than two weeks, we got the Daytona 500. And by the way, bike week, what, two weeks after that, bike week, and the Daytona 200. That great motorcycle race been going on since the 40s, the 30s. I don't even know when it started. I think 1953 was the last time that Harley participated. That's the same year that India went bankrupt, went out of business. So it used to just be a race on the beach. It would race on the beach, then up on the pavement, on the streets and around. That was in those days. And then they built the big Daytona Speedway. And it's huge. That Daytona 200 heralds the beginning of motorcycle racing. At the same time, the Winter Olympics is just coming to a head this week. This is important stuff. We talk about this every week. I talk about what's going on politically, what's going on with the FBI stuff and the CIA stuff. And by the way, today's Unity Day in the Ukraine. Yeah, President Zelensky said, hey, there have been rumors that Russia's going to invade on the 16th. Well, we're going to call the 16th Unity Day, and we're going to stand up as a nation, the Ukraine, and we're going to be unified, one nation, against anybody coming in and invading us. But what's really important, while all this is going on, that we don't forget to focus on our own lives whatever our lives are. It's important to focus on your business, your job. It's important to focus on whatever makes the United States of America the great country that it is. Yeah, I said that, the great country that it is. Make America great again? Yeah, let's make it great and greater, and let's get back to America. It's still the greatest country in the world. You cannot find a better place to live, to survive, to build your family, to hope and believe in a better future. The United States of America. So we need to focus on that. And we need to remind ourselves that it's okay. We're not talking doom and gloom. It's okay to focus on fixing what's broken and fixing what's wrong. It's okay to focus on the politics to get things right the way we believe they should be. We, meaning, you know, me and the way I believe in it. You, that proverbial you, I always talk to my Democrat friends, my liberal friends on the other side, coming to a, a point where we can agree. I don't agree with what's going on in your liberal world today. I very much don't agree. 
I know there's things you don't agree about, but the only thing I understand that you don't agree about is you don't like Donald Trump. You don't like him. You don't like the way he talks. You don't like his text. Okay. But do you like his policies? Show me one thing that's wrong with his policies. Show me one thing that's wrong with peace in the Middle East. That's wrong with what he did for our economy, the trade deals. Be specific. Don't be, well, he was uh, nasty. He said, be specific because I could be very specific about what I don't like about communism, what I don't like about CRT, what I don't like about being called a racist, what I don't like about being defined by your party as a racist person in a racist country. No, I don't like that. And I will fight and argue against that all day long. So I think this is important stuff. But at the same time, it's just as important that we focus on what we do individually so that we do it extremely well. And I'm not talking about the con games that are played every day. Yeah, I think this con game is played by universities and colleges and people that are selling all this stuff that people are buying and taking out huge loans, college loans, bigger than a loan for a new car. I'm not sure if they're bigger than a loan for houses, but they're starting to rival some of that stuff. Certainly bigger than some of the loans for co-ops and condos. They're bigger and then what, what do they get out of it? You'd have been better off getting a job and being an apprentice, plumber, electrician, or something. Get on the job training, do something, sell something. If you're going to college, what I maintain is that you go to benefit to make yourself a better person, to learn about the world. Continue your high school days and learn about art, geography, history, study, learn, read. Go beyond the limits of the classroom when you're in that big auditorium and there's hundreds of people and one professor on the stage. Go beyond that. Go read and research. I remember in high school, I used to come home in bed. Now, my father didn't have time. He was working all these jobs, trying to focus on getting himself ahead in the world. I'd come home and I'd question stuff I'd learned in school. I'd go to the library. Get out a book. Read it. Well, okay. Well, I ended up buying a lot of paperback books. And that's what I did, and I read the heck out of them. I started going to the library much later when I was in college at the University of South Carolina. I knew about the library. Don't get me wrong. I, it's not like I discovered the library at that point. I didn't. I discovered it early on when I was a little kid. We still lived in Manhattan Beach, and, and the bookmobile used to pull up, and we'd go into the bookmobile. We moved out when I was nine, so I was this little kid four, five, six, seven, when I was old enough to read them, and we'd pick out a book, and then it would come back a week later, the same day, every Tuesday, whatever the day was. So I'd have that week to read the book and bring it back, and you wouldn't get charged. That was the arm of the library, the bookmobile. So I don't know why it was more important for me. I, I got a chance to read. My dad was a voracious reader, and he had all these classics. And my dad left high school at 17. I don't even think he was a senior because there was World War II, and he signed up and he joined, and all his friends did. But when he got back after the war, first thing he did, ABC School of Broadcasting. Yeah, that's right, and it was important, and he worked all those jobs. He always read. We didn't have enough of a relationship, and I'm always 
sad about that. I wish we had had more time for that father and son kind of thing that you sit down and talk to your dad and he explains things. It just never happened. He would work three jobs and, you know, and went to school at night. He studied all the time. But he had these books, man. He had all these books, Socrates, Plato. I could just see the windowsill with rows of books. Prentice Hall. I guess that's the place where you buy these books someplace in Princeton, New Jersey. The most important book I think I ever read. Yeah, it was a Reverend Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. That was it. It wasn't even a big book. but And I remember reading it when I was very young. And my dad was telling me the importance of positive thinking, the power behind it. The one thing he did tell me, I remember, you know, we were driving down the Belt Parkway when I was a little kid. The few times where he actually had a car and we drive into the city to see my grandmother. That was usually where we went. Well, of course, you could see the Statue of Liberty and there was the Narrows, the water that flowed from the East River that separated Brooklyn and Staten Island and Manhattan. And I remember my dad talking about water, how the, the power of, of water. There were conversations that we had, and I cherish every one of them. But where and why and how he was able to read those books, they were so important because he understood the education, the development of your mind that made you the better person. That's what college should be doing. And it's not. It's a scam today. Is all of it a scam? No, not all of it is. I loved going to the University of South Carolina. I didn't understand how much I would love it until I got into it. It was just fantastic. And I was very lazy. and I regret greatly not going back and finishing up any time in life. And I should have. And I wish I did. Didn't stop me from reading and trying to understand things. Reading everything. Newspapers, magazines, books. You learn from that. And it's important to develop our individual skill sets. You know, selling. You get better and better at it, and you learn as you go along. It's an important skill set to understand. You have to understand the buyer, their needs, their needs. Sometimes people need to make their dreams come true. Yeah, they dream of a Harley Davidson motorcycle. I sold that for years and years, and I loved it. I'm proud of it. But what I was selling was if it's vacuum cleaners or insurance, or real estate or any, you're selling what people need. Now, if it's a motorcycle, is it less important than a piece of real estate? I don't know about that. Who am I to judge? If a person needs to fulfill his or her dreams, how important is that to the quality of their life? And maybe it gives them the ability to put that in their garage, or if they don't have a garage, to park it on the street in front of their apartment, whatever it is. It gives them that impetus to be more successful, to work hard, to go out there and, and whatever they do for a living. But it's important for us to understand as the world turns and as the world burns, what's important is that we focus on what's important to us as individuals because each of us as individuals contribute to all of us collectively and we go forward as a stronger nation because we're stronger individuals. The better we are education-wise, the smarter we are, the more equipped we are, the, more, the better skill set, 
the, the more we're able to add to the GDP, the gross domestic product of this nation, the more we're helping build this nation. Now, there's a lot of things that are going on, a lot of things that we need to talk about, focus on. A lot of the stuff you see on TV every day, you hear it on the radio every day. It's there. It's accessible to you. Whatever news, well, I guess, wait a minute, maybe it's not. Because unless you're listening to Fox News, One American News Network, OAN, or Headline News or whatever, unless you're listening to some quote-unquote conservative, if you're listening to CNN or CBS, NBC, ABC, if you listen, you're not hearing anything about John Durham's reporting and what's going on. They're not talking about it. Is it against uh, Michael Sussman, Mark Elias? You don't know those names, and if you listen to Fox, you understand that. And there's debate about it on Fox. It's not just Fox saying, oh, yeah, Hillary Clinton's going to jail. No, it's good, honest debate, and it should be on all channels. Everybody should be talking about this. This is bigger than Watergate. Watergate was everywhere. I remember Watergate. It absorbed everything in America. Everything was focused on it. Everything else was lost. That's how I remember it. But this is so much bigger than Watergate. Sussman tells the FBI he's just a concerned citizen when he's paid by the Clinton campaign. How did all this affect the 2020 elections? We have a lost trust in the CIA. Well, that's been going on for a long time. And now the FBI. These are all things that are affecting us. We have to rise above it as individuals because it doesn't stop. Maybe people think I'm obsessed with politics. Maybe I am to a degree. I know the importance of politics, but I'm obsessed with my life, with making my life the best it is, with keeping this country free for my children and grandchildren and doing what I can to limit the propaganda of CRT and all this racial stuff altogether. Hey, I worked hard to move the needle, to get the ball closer to the goal line, wherever that goal line is. It's, it's always being pushed. Moving the goalpost is always there if you're trying to make it, you know, a more perfect union, a better country. Absolutely. I understand that. But while that's going on, I know that the important thing is that we each have to individually build our lives, build the best life we can for us, for our families, for our children, for the future. What an unselfish thing that we people do, that knowing that we're going to die, we live a certain amount of time, we die. And we know that we are not going to enjoy the fruits, not all the fruits of our labor. You know, we don't want to fall short. We don't want to not have enough, but we all want to have as much as we can so we could pass it on to the next generation. We always talk about the future. It's not the future of a barren planet. It's the future of humanity. It's such a generous thing that we do. Do we think about that consciously? We should be. We should understand. There's goodness to our lives. And what we're trying to do, stamp out stupidity. It's important. I, I know it's important to touch on each and everything 
that goes on. It really is. We see what's going on in the Ukraine with Russia. And by the way, here we are hoping, and, and we are hoping. I mean, even if you listen to Biden's speech the other day, which wasn't a bad speech, which was pretty good in many ways. I just wish he had followed it up with questions and answers. And I wish that I believed, I wish that he believed everything he said. Well, he might believe what he said if he really understands that his actions do not live up to his words in the past. But you know what? We want to see him able to subdue his enemy without firing a shot. It boils down to extortion in so many ways. He made these demands. Well, what they've said is Putin has three demands. A new arms control deal. I'm not sure what that means. We're talking about arms control. He's got how many nuclear warheads? Now he wants to do a whole new thing. Okay, well, let's sit down and talk about it. That's easy for Biden to do. The second thing is the transparency of the missiles that we have on the Russian border. Now, we have the Aegis air defense system in Romania. I, I don't know what else. The other thing is, I remember after the Russians invaded Georgia, the first thing that Condoleezza Rice did, she was Secretary of State, she signed a deal with Poland. that Poland wouldn't sign with us to put missiles on the Poland border. But the day after the Russians invaded Georgia, Condi Rice went right to Poland and made a deal that this country couldn't make with Poland to see that we got these missiles in Poland. Poland didn't want to deal with it because they were concerned about Russia, and Russia wouldn't like that. But once they saw what Russia did, they go, wait a minute, we better protect ourselves. So Russia's now asking us, for transparency about that. We could talk about that. Why not? Now, the third thing, and the most important thing, and the clear and obvious thing, is Russia does not want Ukraine in NATO. Well, Ukraine doesn't, right now, doesn't want to be in NATO, that I know of. If they want to be in NATO, all they have to do is ask. And for Russia to say to us, they want us to say, we won't allow them in NATO? No, they, we're not going to say that. But Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, could say, hey, I have no interest in being in NATO. I think these are the demands. We can overcome this. We can sit down and negotiate these demands. We can come up with things that work. There's nothing here. Can you imagine that World War III starts? Well, let's say World War III doesn't start. But just Russia invades the Ukraine. There's going to be a lot of damage. How many people will die? I don't know. Some people say 50,000 Ukrainian citizens. How many Russian soldiers? How many Ukrainian soldiers? There's going to be death. The Ukrainian people are a tough people. Yeah, it's only, what, 57 million? That's not a lot. But you know what? Those are tough people. And they're ready to fight. We've been sending them arms. And, and these are people that will use those arms. So it's going to be a war. Now, can you see, looking back on that, what started that war? What started the Ukraine war? Well, Russia wanted to bring Ukraine under their whatever, and that's what they want. No, but what started it? Well, Russia just wanted an assurance that Ukraine wouldn't go into NATO. So 
50,000 lives were lost in a war and cities were destroyed. Speak how absurd it is that the Ukraine, who doesn't want to be in NATO, is going to go into a war with Russia because Russia wants an assurance that they're not going to go into NATO. This is like stupid. This is like high school stuff. This is juvenile stupidity. I guess nothing changes, does it? People grow up, but they're still the same thing. They're just that same person. What do you call it? Pride. Stupid pride. It's just absolutely nuts. And the price that Russia will pay is huge. So you look at it and you say, wait a minute. Okay, look, there's three demands. None of this is that, but we can work this out. There's the price that they're going to pay because we're going to sanction the living hell out of them. They're going to be villains. They're going to be vilified as a nation for going in and killing these innocent Ukrainian people. Yeah, we talked about this false flag game that they're going to play to make it look like Ukraine fired first. The world's wise to that. It's not going to happen. So can we get past all this? Can we somehow come to an agreement that it's going to work out? Why do we have to look at this as a crisis in the making? Well, if you look at everything else that's going on, look what's going on in Canada with the truckers. Look what's going on everywhere. In my opinion, it's all about stupidity. Think about that T-shirt. The T-shirt that says, you can't fix stupid. And the other one that says, the one that has the arrow pointed that says, I'm with stupid, that's funny. But think about the slogan, if you will, that really got Bill Clinton elected. It's the economy, stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. Stupid is everywhere. We are in a crisis of stupidity. The COVID fiasco, stupidity run amok. Mask and any kind of mandates. The mandates don't work. Duh. Can you see that? They don't work. Vax mandates, mask mandates, and especially when the mask have been proven not to work anyway. The masks, they've done nothing. And now they've come out. We're in the third year of this COVID thing, and they're finally going, well, the mask, and they're not doing it. And there's still mandates. It's stupid. The COVID fiasco is a, just a total stupid government run amok mask and vax and you know, six feet apart and keep the kids out of school, virtual schools. Now they're going to school and there's mask mandates for kids in school. They, we see what's going on. You got to be stupid to continue with this way. Canceling the pipelines and oil gas drilling is stupid. Throwing around $2 trillion, I think the number was $1.9 trillion in government money when we were facing a clear and obvious inflationary situation. Going into that situation by throwing money at it, almost $2 trillion, was stupid. Allowing the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to go forward is stupid. Putting restrictions on American industry in the interest of climate change, is stupid when you do nothing to restrict the same level of industrial development worldwide in much greater quantities.
Okay. In other words, if you didn't understand that, when you tell Americans you can't have these factories, you can't have those factories, when 10 times the amount of factories that you have restricted in America are going to be built in places like Russia and certainly in China, when coal mines are being built all over China and you're going to limit them here because of climate change, you're not fixing climate change over the continental United States and or Europe. This is a global thing. So if you can't fix it in China and Russia and India and, and Mexico, and you can't, we're going to pay this price. It's just stupid when you do nothing to restrict the same level of industrial development worldwide, which is going to be in just so much greater quantities. That stupidity, by the way, extends to every aspect of the sacrifice of American industry and the American people, which is costing us money, creativity, quality of life, and causing the suffering of millions of Americans today and in the future. Our need to compete with other nations is critical to our trade advantages, future science, technology, medical, and other areas, literature where we have led the world for over 100 years. Athletics. Are we going to be able to compete at the same level of athletics? Literature. So the Nobel Prize for this, that, and everything else. Are we going to be able to compete on and on every year? When, you know, we're restricting Americans in every way? We're now looking at diversity as something that's more important than being the best, than finding the best, than creating the best. We have a short, I tell you about stupid. I'm telling you, it's a crisis of stupidity. I was watching Jason Whitlock, this black dude, man. He, just a, the coolest dude. He talks about a nation built on freedom, hard work, and self-determination to a nation that just talks about equity, inclusion, and diversity. Imagine that. And this is a black guy. There's a lot of, by the way, black people, brown people, black people, Polish people, all kinds of people that see this. 75 million people who voted for Donald Trump. I, I would think virtually all of those 75 million, and now a lot of people on the other side who see this and understand the stupidity of Marxism and communism, the stupidity of bringing in this tone of we are all racist. This is a racist country. You know, we have a shortage of 80,000 truck drivers when we have a supply chain crisis. And here's the government. Government mandates are being protested by the truckers in Canada and the U.S., right? And all they got to do is stop the mandates. Now, you've got a shortage in America of 80,000 truck drivers, and you've got a supply chain crisis that I think it's fair to say that, yeah, you got them sitting on ships at sea and you got all this other stuff and things aren't being made here. So we got to bring them in from China and bring them. Okay. You can have a lot of reasons, but the main reason has got to be that no matter where they are, they can't be shipped around the country because of all the restrictions on the drivers and on the trucks. And now these 
mandates that are saying to the truck drivers, you can't go across straight lines. You can't go from Canada to the United States. You can't. I mean, mandates are causing people to lose jobs in many areas, from drivers to retail and food workers to military and first responders. And many are fighting in court. They're fighting in court. They're fighting on media outlets. But truckers are protesting on the streets. And we need to support them. But we need to understand the stupidity of the leadership of the world, this country, of Putin, of Xi. Where are these leaders taking us? And why don't we have anyone that seems to be smart enough to see that, you know, Putin, he's, he's saying, I just want these three things. Can we come to some agreement? You have to give me all of it. Let's just sit down and work it out. Well, what are these truckers saying? <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's stupid. We have a crisis of stupidity. And yeah, I know that the T-shirt says you can't fix stupid. Well, you better fix stupid. Yeah, I think you can fix stupid. So if you care enough to, you got to get in there. You got to work with these politicians. You got to do what you can. But we can fix stupid. We see the problem. If we understand the problem, I'm telling you, we could solve the problem. We could do it. Sometimes doing it means get that stupid bastard out of office. Elect somebody else. We got some real heroes out there. That should make us feel good. Look at these truckers. Let's look at them and understand what they're giving up. They're giving up paychecks. They're giving up a lot. And that's not stupid because they understand that if they give up their freedom, they give up everything. Now, on the same page, you have this woman who was president of Levi. So, you know, this is really a sad story for me in so many ways. But here was this woman, Jennifer Say, and I guess she was a Olympic athlete, American uh, gymnast, and she was protesting. She was president of Levi's, and she protested her children having to wear masks in school, going through the whole CRT, critical race theory, and all that, and she protested all that. And because of that, Levi's just pushed her out. So she left the job. Now, they offered her a million dollars so that she would leave and agree not to talk badly about Levi's and what's going on. And you know what she said? She said no. Talking about the school stuff for her children was as important as her job as president of Levi's. She was on the way to being the CEO of the whole deal. And they offered her a million bucks and she turned it down. There are heroes out there because this stupidity run amok. It's people like this Jennifer Say that step up and stand up and eventually people see it. That's the example. That's what inspires other people. And by the way, Jennifer Say has been a Democrat all her whole life. Now she feels like she's politically homeless. I'm not going to say anything pro-Connor, certainly not nasty about that, but you shouldn't feel politically homeless. I understand why people do. I, I do. Because obviously there's so much stupidity about what the Democrats are doing, and especially when you've got the AOCs and the squads and you've got the Bidens. 
But there are other things, and we need to talk about these things. The most driving force that I've seen in the last 40 or 50 years of politics has been the abortion issue. And it drives so many people to the left. And they're not lefties. They drive so many people to the Democrat Party, and they're not Democrats. They're not card-carrying left-wingers. They're not. And it's all about Roe v. Wade. You're not ending abortion by saying Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional because abortion isn't about a national, but we are 50 states. We are united states of America, united states. So each state still has its own identity. Each state is sovereign unto itself. And each state has the right to make laws about certain things. And that includes things like abortion. It's going to be different for New Mexico than it is for California. It's just the way it is and it should be. And each of the people of those states should have the right to vote and to decide how they feel. And that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about making abortion illegal on a national basis any more than we should be talking about making it legal on a national basis. We should be making it something that depends on each state. That's states' rights. It's always been that way. Federalism. By the way, stupidity? I, I don't want to label it stupid because I, I think people are very emotional about it. But it just doesn't make sense that people are this hardened to the left or to the right based on this issue. It's silly. It doesn't make sense. I, I got to tell you a couple of other things that don't make sense to me. Eric Adams, the mayor of New York, is now playing the race card. That's stupid. You're the mayor. That's just stupid. Finland, the trial of a hate crime because a priest and a woman who's some cleric in the church or whatever, that they have made statements against homosexuality. Are we not allowed? This is stupid. But they're on trial for the crime of hate. It comes with serious consequences if they're found guilty. I don't understand it. Are we not allowed to despise certain things? Here's a priest and, and a cleric, and they despise homosexuality. So they should be allowed to say it? Are you allowed to say you're in favor of it and push it and be a champion of homosexuality? That's okay, but taking the other side isn't? There's something stupid about this. Do we understand that? Now, I want to say again, as we leave today, What's important is that through this all, we focus on rising above all of this and creating the best life for ourselves individually, for our family, for the people that we love. That's important for the whole country. It's important that the whole world could do this. We are free in America to do this. We still have the ability to do this. We have the ability to fight back. We have the ability to, to fight the mandates. We have the ability to make ourselves better every day and not make ourselves victims. And some of those things, again, heroes like the truckers, heroes like Jennifer Say 
and the heroes like the people who just recalled the three San Francisco school board members. Yes, that's unstupid. That's how you fix stupidity. You get rid of the stupid stuff. <laughs> There's no greater country than the United States of America. There's no greater place. There's no better place to live. Trump ends his rally. We're going to make America strong again. We're going to make America. We're going to make America rich again. We're going to make America wealthy again. And we're going to make America great. And we are. We are. We have the ability to do that. We do. You do. I do. We do. Everything we do. So I get it. I know I'm going to keep on focusing on all these things, unraveling and uncovering what happened to Trump during those four years, those five years. The spying on this kid. This is important stuff. This is stuff we need to understand. How we get out of what's going on right now in Europe. How we deal with the China. These are important, important things. The most important thing is how we deal with these as individuals in taking care of our individual's life. Health and happiness and success. This is what's important. Yes, making money is the benchmark. It's what we have. Put it in the bank. Invest it. The talk about this. The stock market. This is important. Making the investments, the new age investments, all this stuff. This is all important. This is what we need to focus on every day. In order to do that, to do it right, we've got to read. We've got to study. We've got to live like there's no tomorrow and study like the world will never end. I'm New York Mike, and this podcast will end today. <laughs> well, we'll be back. I'm New York Mike. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for listening to Roll Right Radio. Thanks for listening to the Roll Right Radio podcast. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.